0: Two-Minute Advantage, the podcast, is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NHL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest Easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. It's an easy two-tap checkout. And there are sports tickets, but also music, theater tickets for your enjoyment. So head to the app store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. <music> everybody scott burnside here with another episode of two-man advantage the podcast and as always pierre lebrun joining us i understand it's quite cold in toronto i, I like and and you're a northern ontario boy do you do you embrace the cold are you like yeah bring it on do you walk around without a coat and no mitts or hat or anything or what
1: what's your what's your cold threshold like it's funny you say that i think everyone on the crew last night we were uh... In studio for the Columbus Montreal game on TSN, and I walked in without a jacket or gloves from the outside. I just left the house in a hurry yesterday and did not have a winter coat on, or gloves, or a hat. I was just in my suit and drove to TSN. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a hearse thing right i mean like it, it isn't that it you know i mean you just grew up you you grew up in the cold and you are, yeah i you know I, I, mean? I grew up in
1: the cold but i'm pretty soft now uh <laughs> right. 25 years in uh in toronto uh, where we don't really get real winters compared to the rest of the country yeah i'm not uh, i'm no north ontario guy anymore i i'd be lying if i said i was <laughs> it's funny, you know, I, uh, having lived in Atlanta
0: for as long as I have, which is now a long, long time, I sometimes am I'm the opposite where I look outside if I'm going somewhere and I'm like, oh, it's nice out here. I remember going to Washington a couple of years ago, and it was right, right around this time of year, if I'm not mistaken. You know, get in the plane, get off, and it's like snowing in Washington. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is... It's a different place. I've I've come to a different city, had to go to a store, I had to buy a jacket, uh, because I just assumed, hey, everything's like Georgia, right? So live and learn, my friend.
1: Your problem's not the winter in Atlanta, it's the summer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is the truth, that is the truth, my friend. All right, well, uh, as always, a lot to unpack. And this this has been one of the... uh, I am trying to think if there's been a week in recent memory that has been as emotional, has uh created as many strong feelings, uh, a lot of heated opinion on on both sides of the of the fence and 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 really a a, a seminal moment in in Canadian broadcast history as we know uh, starting with last week's coach's corner episode and Don Cherry's comments about um uh, new Canadians, immigrants, and uh, not wearing poppies, and the immediately immediate blowback, uh, which ultimately led to Don Cherry's uh, firing. Um, and that, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. And and I start I start with you. You work for Hockey Night in Canada for for a number of years. You have known Don Cherry for a long time, and I know this has been this has been an emotional week for you because of your connections to the iconic sports show in in Canada I would argue one of the iconic sports shows anywhere with Hockey Night in Canada and certainly um you know a guy you've known a long time and and, and maybe what happens now that that Don Cherry is no longer part of the the Canadian broadcast landscape
1: yeah well I'll leave that part for you because I obviously work for TSN <laughs> not Sportsnet so none of my business <laughs> as to what they end up doing with that segment but yeah no I listen I Let's not overcook it. I mean, I was there six years, uh, part of the old hot stove. And, uh, and, and you know, everywhere I go this week, uh, from uh, hockey parents to, to friends to complete strangers, have come up to me and asked me about all this. And before I get into it, I, I make sure, because this is important to point out, um, uh, in my time there, Don was, uh, was really good to me. He was really nice to me. I don't have a single negative story about my interactions with Don Cherry when I was at Hockey Night. In fact, when I left Hockey Night, um, I left uh, essentially because we were starting a family and I needed weekends off, which I now get at TSN and uh, and The Athletic. But um, Don left me a really nice voicemail. In fact, the voicemail went so long, I'll I'll never forget this. It it cut him off, so he called back and left a second one. Just, you know, thanking me for my time there. And I, I'll never forget that. And and so, yeah, there is that part of it. But, of course, when I'm sitting there, you know, I, in fact, didn't even hear it on Saturday night. I didn't catch it until the next day. I was at a dinner party on Saturday night. It, you know, it, it's just, there's a pit in your stomach where you're just feeling nauseous about what you just heard. It's just so wrong on so many levels what I heard last Saturday night from Don Cherry. And so... For me, uh, on a personal level, you have to separate, uh, you know, the person that that you interacted with when you're at hockey night from what happened that night in a moment, and say immediately, "Oh my God, this is completely unacceptable." And I, uh, I, I, I know this has divided my country, but I think it was the right decision by Sportsnet to fire Don Cherry. I, it's unequivocal in my mind. I don't know how there's an argument against that. And again, I'm not one of those people that's going to hide now and pretend that I didn't work at Hockey Night and and pretend that Don Cherry wasn't nice to me because that's the truth. He was. And so I'm not going to hide that part. Uh, That's the truth. And, 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 you know, part of the soul searching that I've been doing this week is, you know, whether I should have ever said something over the years when there were comments that made you cringe and and like a lot of canadians I just kind of looked away and because I was you know Don Cherry's an institution and he's he like a lot of canadians taught me a lot about hockey and I kind of just looked away when there were other comments that made me feel uncomfortable and shame on me you know um so you know it's uh <clears throat> I think what I would say is that and other columnists have said it a lot better than me but you know Don Cherry never changed, but I think our country did and our society did and I think that you know that was his downfall quite frankly,
0: yeah well and I mean you know the world is is much different place there's no question about that than when you say and, and really when you think of it it's 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 more than a generation of hockey fans right you know i you know I'm the same you know what thirty plus years but really closing in on forty years coach's corner all of those kinds of things and you're you're right Is part of you know whatever your your family situation was and i know lots of people have written about this too you know the, the, watching hockey hockey night in canada and and being drawn to that tv regardless of your background and regardless of where you came from um but that the, the game drew everyone in, in into that into the sphere on saturday nights and that was what you did and um and you're right he didn't change he had Became tone deaf to what was acceptable. It, was, it should never have been acceptable, right? But if the fact was that there was a time when it was okay to make fun of Swedes and Russians and people who weren't from well, Canada. Well, and, and, and like I'm a French Canadian, Scott, and yeah,
1: you know, well, uh, well, exactly. French Canadians, <laughs> I, we were targets at times run. of what Don uh, said, and many times. And, yeah, yeah, and and again, I even though that would bug me, I, I I again I turned a blind eye, and again I I'm one of the enablers, like. 35 million Canadians <laughs> um but you know I, I I just like I said I'm I'm conflicted because uh, I've also seen the good side of Don cherry and you know and part of what's happening now is that I think some people want to completely uh, tear apart his entire legacy which I don't think is fair either because I think you know he did do a lot of great things for the game it's just that that element that came out Saturday night, is just there is no argument. You, you cannot come on here and say in any way that there's any of that that made sense or that was acceptable or that wasn't hurtful to so many people who who heard it. And 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 that's that. And, you know, you know what I love about hockey is that it. Um, you have so many people from different backgrounds now playing the game more than ever. Uh, you know, the, and especially that's what I see in Toronto minor hockey rings. I can tell you that, and it's wonderful. It's what's the greatest thing of all, and uh, it's what we should celebrate.
0: Yeah, well, and you and you raise a good point. It's a good way for us to to transition out of this, and and I'll put in you know my my own feeling. Yeah, you know, I don't like Don, right? I mean, I, I've written about him. I've spent some time with him back when I was at ESPN. He did, I believe, called me a rat on. Uh, Coach's corner one night and, uh, after a piece about I, the. That US should be a badge team. of honor, though, for it. <laughs> I, I think that there are, yeah. I don't know whether he's called other people rats, but I'm probably sure he has. But anyway, he did call me that, uh, which I, I do know that. As just in my own family, we like we grew up like lots of Canadian families watching hockey night. That was it. You know that was uh, once once Don ran me down on Coach's Corner. That was it. He was he he <laughs> lost the Burnside family uh, in term in terms of the uh, viewership. But um, yeah, so and I'm with you. I I think there was no other this was the outcome that needed to happen. You can argue whether it should have happened a decade ago or more or whatever, but it really does create a lot of interesting discussion about what next, and I know that's not your place, but given that you work at TSN, I did have a number of people who uh, suggested to me, I, I did r- write, a, write a piece, okay, trying to unpack a little bit about what happens next. You know, does Brian Burke, um, you know, does he move into that chair? Is he that kind of guy? Do you need a similar type of, Larger-than-life personality? Is that how you fill that space? Or do you do something completely different? I did receive comments from a number of people saying that you and I should, you know. <laughs> I think the idea was that I would be the host and you would be, you because know, you would be a great unifier. You could bring the country together, my friend, and, mm-hmm. and I could keep you in line, pretty much like life.
1: I think if they're trying to completely uh, end the show, they should put us on there as the... <laughs> No, I think the podcast is a good place for you and I, Scotty. I think that's for no. I, I mean, listen, it'll be interesting. Again, yeah. I'm a little un- uncomfortable commenting on what Sportsnet will of do course, because yeah. it's uh, it's not. That's the part that's none of my business. But um, I, 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 the only thing I would say is I wouldn't be in a hurry to figure that out if I were them. I, I yeah, think that yeah, no question. I think people in Canada wouldn't understand if you didn't have a solution overnight, and that maybe this is something that needed the rest of the season to figure out. But we'll see. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's gonna be interesting. And and you know, it's again to me, it just goes back to you know, it's one guy on a what a eight minute segment once a week, and yet there is like, this is this is a story that has national implications. It has friends and family against each other it's a very it's well I, it does again speaks to the the power of the game right and power of the game in, in that country and in, this was in, mentioned in by
1: York. a lot of media personalities i think Gahal kelly in his global mail column and bob mckenzie when he was on tsn talking about it on monday night you know don cherry the cbc did a poll in 2004 the greatest canadians ever and don cherry Ranked seventh all time in Canadian history ahead of a couple of, I think, sandwiched between a couple of prime ministers. Again, like, I mean, consider that for a moment. So, I mean, he has had a a huge impact, uh, you know, on on Canada. So you can't, I mean, again, this is what's, you know, people are going to try to disassociate from that now. And I get it because, uh, you know, there's a lot of anger. But you can't also deny what has transpired, right? So that's the, the, I I think this was a real look in the mirror moment for a lot of Canadians this week. And, um, but at, at the end of the day, and I don't want to get too much on my soapbox, but I think for me, when I think of my country, I think of, uh, the values that we carry and, and the inclusiveness of our country. And, and at least that's my, I don't want to speak for all Canadians that gets people in trouble but but that's certainly my uh version of it
0: yeah um, but d- so here, the great the great segue is, and we won't we won't debate this now. At some point, we will. But certainly, a lot of uh, leading up to this, there's been a lot of debate about whether Don Cherry should be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, the, in the bro- you know in the broadcast uh, arm of thing as as a builder, perhaps. Now, the, the, obviously, this will throws a, an entirely different uh, you know sort of light on on that debate. But we are coming up onto a week from well, less than a week now. One of my favorite nights on the hockey calendar is not the NHL calendar because the, the hockey calendar is, is Hall of Fame uh, induction night in Toronto. And I was lamenting to you as we were waiting to, to tape today that, you know, for a period of time I was at every Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony for, I don't know, probably seven or eight years in a row during my uh, earlier times at, at ESPN. And I really I miss I miss that event because there's it's such such a gathering of hockey history you know all as as many of the uh, the the hall of hall of fame inductees hall of famers gather their families are there of course the, the new class every year um and, and i think in the last decade or so the, the hall has done such a nice job of of broadening its it's Ned, then, to embrace women. Of course, Haley Wickenheiser, part of the class of 19. Uh, European players that maybe, you know, you're a casual fan in North America, doesn't know a lot about. Uh, Václav Nedomansky, Big Ned, the first European defector, the first player to come to North America, played initially in the WHA and then uh, in the NHL at the end uh, with Detroit, uh, mostly a little bit of uh, time with the New York Rangers. But um, it, I, I, it's it really is an event that speaks to the the game's place in the world not just in canada and north america and i and i miss being there and i wonder you i mean you cover it professionally but what's you when you think a hall of fame week and you think of the class of 19 what what, what strikes you what are you looking forward to what's what do you what do you what's up what's your hall of fame
1: frame of mind that was long one long ass question, I, buddy. But a, but I hung in there. I, know, I, I hung in I, there. Uh, I did not fall asleep. I wanted to
0: get in the. I, I had a lot of ground to cover in that uh, question. So I, for I could have gone to the me.
1: washroom and come back. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I, I really enjoyed your piece on, on Nedimansky, and uh, you know I'm not afraid to admit this. I, I had only very uh, superficial knowledge of his career. Of course, I knew who he was and, and what he had accomplished, but I didn't really understand his impact until reading your piece and uh, for people listening if you're going to pick one piece to comb through I, I really think that is just an unbelievable piece in terms of you know the the thoughts from peter Stashney are really uh impactful and and uh just a real trailblazer that i think really did get lost in time didn't he scotty like hasn't quite gotten the same credit other players have and um so that you know, that's a wonderful moment um but but you know, when I think of this class, what I think of is that Haley Wickenheiser is the headliner and, and how amazing it will be. I mean, I have two daughters who play hockey eight and 10 years old and, and, you know, what kind of feeling this will have for so many young kids to see that the headliner, the really the person that carries the, the biggest stick going into this year's class is Haley Wickenizer, or her impact on the game. And, uh, arguably the greatest player ever in women's hockey. And, and of course, her her continued story, which Eric DeHotchek details so beautifully, you know, she's in med school, she works in player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs, just a, really an amazing story. And, and I think, I, I just think you can argue that even though we've had other female players go in, thank God, finally, uh, over the last decade, that this is the first time that... Um, you know uh, that a player from the women's game really is the number one headliner uh, going into the Hall of Fame, and I think it's an absolute wonderful thing. Um, but there's so many great stories. Obviously, uh, you know Jim Rutherford getting in uh, in the builders category, and and. Uh, you know, obviously quite deserving. Uh, Sergey Zuboff, who you know, Scotty, I've fought for many years. I thought he should be in. And now I can start my new fight for Sergey Gonchar and Doug Wilson. But uh, but Sergey Zuboff, so deserving, and, and the committee finally getting it right in his case. And, and a guy that was ahead of his game in many ways, the way he played. Especially did what he did during the dead buck era at the end of his career. And Guy Carboneau, who was, a, you know, a controversial choice, it wasn't everyone's cup of tea that I that he got in. And feel free to disagree. I thought I thought it was wonderful. I mean, Bob Caney, two as good a defensive center as there was during his era, shut down all the great offensive players, and a big part of those eighty six and ninety three Stanley Cups for the Canadians. I, I think Guy Carboneau was really deserving.
0: Gee. Okay is it my uh, maybe it's just i'm getting older and and i'm I'm more mellow or, or whatever it is, but my sense is that there is less outrage or discontent when when the when the classes are are named and maybe that is a function of the the changing the shifting um, personnel on the selection committee as it, you know our our good pal Eric DeHatchik was on for a long time it is it's not a life thing it, it it does evolve and change In my sense of the selection committee I I just think the it's evolved to a point now where it it the really it's a very thoughtful and I know that they care very deeply about it the the people on the committee and and the choices that they make these are important these are life Cho- cho- choices that they're making, right? These are going to... It changed Václav Nedomansky's life, I know, from talking to him and his son. Mm-hmm. So these are these are huge moments. And and um, I don't know if you feel that maybe we're at a point now where people... There is there is less discontent when the classes are, are announced, and maybe people are understanding more that the game is nuanced. And so there is a place mm-hmm. for a guy like Guy Carboneau that maybe 20 years ago... It, it might have created a much uh, you know, more negative reaction. Do you, do you buy that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what I saw that day in June when he was announced, and I'm totally generalizing here, so it's, it's obviously more anecdotal than scientific, but what I saw on social media were younger hockey media complaining more than than those of us who've been around. And, and what I'm saying is, I think if you just look, if you've never seen Guy e. Carboneau play in real time, like when he was playing, And he just went off his numbers. I can maybe understand why some younger media don't understand the fuss. But if you've been around long enough, like you and I, and Eric Dehajcek, Bob McKenzie, you know, because Bob and I have talked about this, Mickey Carbono was the best at his craft in his era. But you really had to to live it and see it to understand. It wasn't just numbers, right? Um, And so. so I, what I really saw in that particular controversy was more sort of a line being drawn among generations. Which hey, it is what it is. Um, it, I don't want to alarm you, but pretty much everyone yeah. in
0: the media is younger than you and I. Yeah, Certainly, that's they're true. younger than I am. Yeah, that's it. But that is reality. But that
1: really, Sean, I, I thought that really came through that day. Yeah. Um, and I think you know the thing to continue to remind people is is that again, it's you know it's my favorite line, but it's not the NHL Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey all Fame. So my point is, when it comes to the inclusion, uh, you know, uh, someone like, like Nedamansky and, um, you know, I'm sure younger NHL fans are like, well, you know, he, I, I don't know that he took the NHL by storm. and But then you realize everything else in, in his career. I mean, it, you know, we, we had this conversation about Igor Larionov, who I think was a little more obvious because people remember the KLM line. But nevertheless, obviously – we didn't get the best of Igor Larionov in the NHL. We got a heck of a player, but his best years were before he came over, right? Um, but that's that's fine. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's 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 international. It's it's about other leagues and other tournaments and other parts of the world. It's not just about the NHL in North America. All right,
0: hold that thought. We're going to be back in a brief moment. I'm going to ask you about Wayne Gretzky, who is a Hall of Famer. And Ilya Kovalchuk, who is not and probably won't be, but we're going to talk about them when we come back. So hang on for just a second. Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you, wherever you are. Not only is your favourite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favourite too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-to's or choose from your favourite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code ADVANTAGE advantage don't forget that's promo code advantage for five dollars off your first order from doordash all right as promised here we're back i'll give you the choice you want to start with uh Ilya kovalchuk and the la kings and some, and some changes going on there or shall we talk about wayne gretzky and your piece that appeared in the athletic this week this week uh indicating i i just thought it was you now see i have i'm taking your choice away from you by, by building it up but i just thought it was fascinating that sean burke had reached out to to wayne gretzky about coaching internationally uh, and just i just thought it was it was, i just thought it was kind of a cool thing so yeah, anyway you choose you, you tell me what you want to respond to first
1: uh well let's uh yeah i mean since i i I put out the Gretzky news uh, let's let's talk about that first and then we'll get to Kovalchuk which uh, uh my good friend Elliot Freeman uh stirred the pot yesterday with that uh, piece of news um you know on the Wayne Gretzky front I can tell you from talking to Wayne yesterday that it it really has touched him that Sean Burke reached out Sean Burke's a GM of the spengler Cup team for Canada and and you know I'm sure there are people out there thinking why would Wayne Gretzky even care about coaching Canada the Spengler Cup but he is genuinely touched and honored that Sean Burke thought of him and you know Spengler Cup has this great history it's on my bucket list by the way I'd love to go there one of these years with with my family it's it's supposed to be gorgeous there and and just a great atmosphere but anyway it, it's really given Wayne a lot to think about the problem of course is that it's, it's right during the holidays and and I think that Wayne's family had so much lined up still do have so much lined up. We know he's a grandfather and I think the whole extended family. Uh, and, and so it's it might be hard to navigate those waters. But as of last night, he still hadn't made a decision either way. The point in all this is that here's a guy that was, you know, the Canadian Olympic team architect for Salt Lake City and Torino and the 2004 World Cup of Hockey. He obviously played... In all those Canada Cups and in the 98 Olympics for Canada, every time there's a Canadian opportunity, it just, here's the greatest player ever. And he just, it it just, it, it enacts an emotion in him that I just think is, is amazing when, when (laughs) clearly it's not something he needs right now, but, but he, it, he's just, he's a proud Canadian and has answered the bell so many times. So I don't know. He may not be able to swing this in the end, but I just think it was a, it was a great idea on Sean Burke's uh you know behalf to to even think of it i think and uh, you know we'll see where it ends up um you know in terms of kovalchuk uh wait wait uh, wait
0: wait, hang on hang on just before you go i'm I'm just going to slide in here i'm going to say um that sean burke is an interesting name that we should be keeping our our eyes and Mm -hmm. and ears on because and i know I, i know he has been you know, there, his name has come up with the GM openings over the last year, year and a half, or, you know, whatever the time frame is. But definitely, on a lot of teams' radar, is the former goaltending great. And people, he did such a phenomenal job. And time in in Arizona, mm-hmm. really helped to resurrect uh, Devin Dugnick's career. He has, he's a terrific, talent evaluator and a scout. He is a guy I think is going to be an NHL GM sooner than later and you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the spangler cup i mean spangler cup is it's a small tournament in the middle of the nhl season over the holidays right like that's not what this is about yeah. but i enjoy Sean watching Burke it though
1: it's should... good content uh, yeah
0: okay i'm, <laughs> I'm just not, saying i'm, not
1: even gonna t- I'm crazy <laughs> that way <laughs> but you're right and, and anyway and Sean Burke uh as I think some people know but maybe not but you know he did he interviewed for both the Edmonton GM position at Ken Holland got, and also uh I'm pretty sure met with Seattle when Seattle was doing its extensive search so he's 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 been in there right he's getting shots at it and uh will eventually get one I think at least a team would be smart to give him that shot and you know interestingly enough it's kind of low key especially given who he's working for right now but he's in the Habs front office right Mark Birchman was yeah knows uh, an opportunity when he sees it in terms of getting smart people together you know he's got Scott Mellenby and John Sedgwick and Mario Lapointe there and he has Sean Burke on his staff and it's uh you know that's what I love when teams do that. You know, when guys are sort of waiting for their opportunity, they, they still have to work. And I'm out. You know, I always think try to get as many smart people together as you can.
0: Well, and I, not to go off on a complete tangent before we slide back into the the Kovalchuk discussion, but I, I honestly, I don't, I'm not sure. It, it it really it's it seems so logical, but something it just it's it doesn't happen everywhere, right? I always think of Doug Armstrong as a guy who, to me, you have to have a big. You have to be really comfortable in your own skin as a GM to, you know, to to want to surround yourself with those kinds of people Uh, because they are – if you surround yourself with really good smart hockey people, uh, they want want to move on and and have more responsibility too. So, you know, the potential – it's like the coaching staff in Philly, right? Alain Vigneault's got Michel on and Mike Yo head coaches, you know, is he worried that they're trying to take his job? Well, no, because he's strong enough in his own personality in his own skin not to worry about it i think the same is it can be said about gms whether it's doug armstrong or mark Bergerman, who's uh, you know has done a really nice job in the face of a lot of criticism you know that team's they're not quite there yet but it's uh, it's it's there are a lot of really really good players in that pipeline now and that team's going to be good um and you're right you, he's got really good smart people and, and maybe some of those people would want his job or a gm job somewhere else but it doesn't matter that's the i just give credit to people like that who have enough confidence to say yeah come on in come come into the into our ship let's go
1: yeah well look at me i agree to share a podcast all these years with you but i'm not threatened by you (laughs) no
0: in fact you may be proving the opposite that you have you have included me because you know i'm completely no threat to you in fact now i'm gonna think about that all day
1: oh good i love that yeah No. but and uh and you know we should talk about kovalchuk um Yes. Uh, obviously so. did not play uh, Tuesday night and doesn't look like he, I mean, doesn't sound like he'll be in the lineup anytime soon. What I could tell you from making a few calls last night uh, is that his representative, J.P. Barry of CA Sports was on the phone quite a bit <laughs> uh, last night and yesterday afternoon, uh, you know, with the Kings and trying to figure out, you know, next steps for his client. And the next step is to play for a new a new team. Now the question is is there any way to find a market for Ilya Kovalchuk where that team's going to be in the NHL or does this mean a return to Russia? And I don't know that anyone can answer that right now. The tweet that I put out last night is quite pertinent I think because really it feels like nothing can happen till after the his final bonus money's paid out, which is December 15th. And and so on December 15th, the entirety of his 13.15 million in bonuses will have all been paid out. So he was due 5.3 this year, 5.3 million. Half of it was paid last July 1st and the second half next month on on December 15th. So as of December 16th, he all he's getting paid the rest of the year is the is the remainder of his $700,000 base salary, which at that point will be like what? 350 grand. So you really yep, you're you're getting Kovalchuk for free for the end of the season. Unfortunately, and this is the part I think which will make things difficult for the Kings is that he's got another year on his deal at 4.25 million next year. And of course, for teams that are at the cap, his cap hit doesn't change even though the Kings have paid out most of his money. The cap hit is 6.25 million. So, a lot exactly. to chew on here. It seems hard to believe that the Kings, if they're actually going to find an NHL team for him, uh, won't have to eat, half to cap it, right? So there is that. Yeah. On the other hand, do the Kings just go out and pick up another bad contract in exchange? Like I was just, you know, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not saying it that the Montreal Canadiens would even have any interest. I, I have no idea. I haven't. I haven't asked anyone there. But yeah. Would would L.A. took Carl, Carl Alsner in return for Leah Kovalchuk, right? Alsner has right. two more yeah. years after this year at, uh, um, I'll check this while we're talking, but I believe $3.5 million. So really, that's a problem for L.A. more than Montreal because he's got an extra year on his deal that, that Kovalchuk does not. But on the other hand, Carl Osner is a, is a terrific guy. And, like, I know his career is in jeopardy. But as a person that you'd be bringing in around your young players, Carl Osner is a good dude. Uh, yeah, $3.5 three, three uh next year and the year after still on Carl Osner's deal. So, I don't know. I mean, that's, I think, some of the things that Rob Blake in L.A. is going to have to look at. And, to be honest, it's J.P. Barry is going to have to look at it even more, right? I mean, he... This is where agents have to become almost GMs and, and try to figure out solutions and scenarios that help out the team in question and, of course, their client. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's, I mean, I, it is interesting how it has unfolded, right? I Again, mean, we talked about this last week. You know, Tyler Tafoli was a healthy scratch in LA, part of, you'll right. and, and probably NHL, be traded, coach. Yeah. Yeah and, uh, and and you know, Kovalchuk has you know he's nine points he's fourth on the team in scoring uh, but that's a team that's very much in transition and he's gone i think it's three points in the last 10 games so it's you know it hasn't it hasn't gone all that well for for Kovalchuk really since he got there but you're right it does it does make you wonder is is there a fit if you smooth out all of the salary cap you know, if this Kings ate half it or they take on another contract, whatever it is. Like, is there a fit? Like, you and I talked about, okay, what happens with St. Louis? Which, you know, to me, that what a great story. The Blues continuing to thrive and, and play very well in the absence of uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who won't be back till come really around playoff time pending his shoulder surgery. But, you know, there's another, okay, what, you know, it has to be a team. You can't, have, can't bring in Ilya Kovalchuk and expect him to carry the freight right like those days are past but if you're looking for a power play guy a guy who can pound the puck um you know maybe that little extra edge to boost you either into the playoffs or solidify a playoff spot like to me that's gonna be the fascinating part and maybe because it's you know I've I've known Ilya Kovalchuk since he first came in the league one of the very I did some freelance writing one of the first pieces I did for USA Today was a piece on Danny Heatley and Ilya Kovalchuk and um it uh you know, it, maybe it's just, maybe just the time has come. Maybe that he's at a runway. I don't know, but maybe he's one of those guys that cheap, low risk, maybe a little reward. I don't know. It, it, it's fascinating well, to think where yeah.
1: how this might find turn out. You know, and, and to make a final point on Kolbelch, by the way, and I'm not trying to. <laughs> you know, LA was not the you know. Listen, L.A.'s getting crushed for this contract and and let's face it it's a a terrible deal but the reason that became a a three-year deal is because other teams were pushing up the ante right i mean if you remember scotty um, and we reported this but you know boston and san jose in particular were trying to sign him too now i don't think they would have gone to three years i think that boston and san jose wanted him either a one-year deal or a two-year deal max and the way L.A. got him finally was that, uh, you know, J.P. Barry was able to say, hey, you know, i got these offers from Boston and San Jose, so you need to ante up. Um, but my point is, it's not like, you know, it's not like Rob Blake's initial proposition was a three-year deal Elliot Ilya Kovalchuk at the age of 35. <laughs> I mean, right. There was yeah. leverage there from the player coming back from the KHL and a bit of buzz about, you know, his performance in the Olympics and all that. Uh, but I'm just saying... Again, I'm not. There's no way I can defend the signing other than two other teams that tried to sign him are two of the most respected GMs in the game, and Don Sweeney and Doug Wilson, right? So it's not like LA was the only team that thought there might be something left in the tank.
0: Yeah, um, we should point out that our California brothers and sisters—these are, these are brothers because they they do the podcast. It's the Point Breakaway podcast that's josh cooper from the athletic and former nhl defenseman shane o'brien they do uh, uh all things la in their uh podcast called point breakaway so you should check that out of course lisa dillman who does an amazing job covering for us and eric stevens and i love our, our that's West a good Coast crew out there amazing. yeah
1: it is a great crew out there.
0: I, can, you know what? The part of the part, I'd like to get out and do some stories out there. It's hard, I can't get my shoulder. Ah,
1: you just, uh, you know what? It. You just go. You don't even tell them you're there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's pretty much how I've been doing it for years. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, we'll see. <laughs> uh, go ahead. We're about to sign off here. You got something to say? Get, get it in no, here. Just that I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> we'll be in Montreal right, together next feeling- week. That'll
1: be. That'll be fun. Oh.
0: I know. Well, maybe we'll talk about that in the uh, in our next segment. But we are going to bring to a close this part of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. And so, before we go, though, we we really need our the people who are listening to it, our listeners, to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And and if you click on the show the the URL that's a techno term right but that's called theathletic.com slash two man advantage that's where you find us if you click on that you're going to get 40% off your subscription when you subscribe to The Athletic which you should be doing because if you do you're going to be able to hear even more of you and I talking in just a a couple of minutes so you should subscribe two man advantage on Apple do it and click on Do do it do it and you and then you'll get the bonus the bonus of you and I talking about what we're going to do in Montreal next week but good job my friend as always right on right on